I'm definitely not Ryan McDonough, a Suns fan since 2004, and you're listening to the Suns Solar Panel Podcast. Welcome to the Phoenix Suns Solar Panel Show, podcast, whatever the hell you want to call us. My name is Tim <laughs> Tompkins. Joined as always, Mr. Let's go with uh, Greg Esposito this time because it is uh, Espo and company after all. Oh, oy, oy. <laughs> And managing editor of this little website called The Bright Side of the Sun, Mr. Dave King. Yo, how's it going? Yeah, my girlfriend calls it, uh, when we watch games, we calls it, she calls it the basketball show. So you can't use show, Tim. It's got to be podcast. Oh, well, so it's it been a pretty good week. Um, uh, the Suns coming off a win in the Garden, uh, even though they were without um, a couple of their best players, the Celtics, that is. It was pretty nice to see Suns a win. without Kelly Oubre, too. Um, and uh, actually, because I don't know the answer to this, uh, were they also without Cam Johnson, or did Cam Johnson just get a DNP? They were without Cam Johnson. There's no way Cam Johnson could, Oh, my God. That second quarter lineup that had Ty Jerome and Elliot Kobo and Javon Carter out there with Devin Booker and Aaron Baines was just horrific. So they wouldn't do that if they didn't have to. So Cam Johnson was out as well as Kelly Oubre. It was amazing. It was like they were waving a white flag uh, without av- oh, actually God. having to do it. Like They had a 16-point lead that got down to, there was a 13-0 run by the Celtics before Monty said, okay, maybe this isn't working. And that was, and that was in 30 <laughs> seconds with those guys on the yeah, It was uh, amazing. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was funny. I kind of took it, it as... Uh, the Monty's like, you know, screw it. We're up 16. I've always wanted to try this lineup. Let's go ahead and try it now. Nobody would want to try that lineup. I just, I, <laughs> Devin you know, Booker was the power forward. <laughs> there's, there's a, a couple things that just confuses me about the team. One is, I, I don't know if I've just been scarred by watching Ty Jerome's play so far this season, but every time he gets on the court, I just think to myself, please no, please no. Um, I do that with Elliot Kobo. I, I like Ellie. And then oh, Javon God. Carter, um, anytime the ball in his, is in his hands for the last shot of the quarter, it just drives me insane because I don't want him setting up offense for anyone himself. I don't want him to, I don't want him to have the ball uh, at, at the end of quarters. And even it kind of surprises yeah. me because you'll have like Tyler Johnson out there. I'm like, why isn't, why isn't the ball in Tyler Johnson's hand? I, I'd it's like close. So, I like yeah, for him right. never to take shots, regardless if it's the end of the quarter or not, or have have the ball in his hands. This Man, just shows the this, it shows one of the biggest flaws of of the Suns team, and I know in part it's impacted by injury because you don't have Kaminsky uh, when Ubre's out, Bridges shifts to that starting lineup, true. but they do not it's true. have Frank was out. You know, they, they they do not have enough enough depth on this team to uh, to overcome. You know, multiple starters having having a rough game. Uh, luckily, the last two games in New York and Boston, that wasn't the case. Uh, starters showed up, and they had three 25-plus scorers uh, for the first time since 2000 or yeah 2007, December of 2007, uh, in that New York game, and then they followed up again in Boston doing the Another same one. thing. So. Uh, they're going to have to rely heavily on this starting lineup to continue to win them games because the bench just can't do uh, it can't contribute right now. And if there is anywhere that this team really needs to make uh, make a move, it's to find solid veteran bench guys that can uh, yeah. can keep a lead yeah. if uh, if need be. Well, we're going to talk about trades here in a later segment, um, so I, I'll I'll refrain my thoughts on that for a moment, but man, when Ricky Rubio got elbowed in the face and went down hard in the first, or I don't know if it was first or second half, but, and then I was just thinking, God damn, if he's got a broken orbital bone or something like that, like Joe Johnson did in the playoffs back in 05 and can't play for a few weeks, the Suns are, in, it's over. So well, yeah, the Atlanta, the Atlanta game showed that. I mean, Right. I'm all for he he had every right to miss that game to be yeah. there for the birth of his first son but for it showed sure. you it showed you how much at a deficit this team is without yeah. Ricky Rubio because they didn't really address the backup point guard spot they, they did what they needed to from a starting perspective but uh they were basically banking on uh, Ty Jerome and, and Tyler Johnson to provide anything have a pulse back there right. and that just hasn't happened yeah, exactly. You've got uh, it, it's just so it's so tough to watch anyone but Ricky Rubio running this team 
Javon Carter, like you said, really doesn't run an offense. He dribbles, oh, and then he tries to get himself into with with as much you know uh, jumping clearance as I do uh, into a jump shot with time running out on the clock. Elia Kobo just passes it away. Um, he's afraid to take any shots, and Ty Jerome just he looks like some dude that just gave a uniform out in the stands and said, "Go on out there." I um, I do I do like Ellie's game a bit more I think than oh gosh than no. you guys do though no He's, man and here's here's what I've been saying lately and this is probably a little harsh and I admit it um, but Ellie is like the uh, opposing guard's best friend he's always right there on your on your hip pocket he's he's always real close to you but he never hits you never 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 gets in your way never stops you from doing what you want he's like your best friend uh, because that's exactly where Ellie is. He lets anyone score on him, and he's always a couple feet away just standing there watching it. You know, it, 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 the perfect backup point guard is the uh, the, the Josh Jackson tax in, uh, uh, in Memphis right now, DeAnthony Melton. He would have been no, nice as, a, as the God, backup point don't, guard right now. Don't give me I was, I spent <laughs> I spent all Saturday morning um, putting together a – and I don't do this. I'm not a guy who looks back and says, what if, what if, what if. But I, I spent all Saturday morning putting together a what if roster just starting with the 2018 draft. I don't know if I'll ever publish it. <laughs> I just, I mean, it's just sad that you and had one to of give, those is give up that You don't that trade guy. Anthony Melton and you just cut Josh Jackson. Yeah. It's, it's sad but you that can't that cut, was your But cost. then you don't have the money, right? So yeah. Um, somebody also bringing up uh, Buck Dog in YouTube chat. We should have kept Shaq Harrison. I will always remain a fan of, of Look, Shaq. Man. I like I like Shaq a lot. He's not a freaking player. Good. He's not a point guard. If we're talking in context of point backup point guards, that is not Shaq Harrison. I don't know if the guy's thrown a, a scoring pass in his career. He's not. <laughs> backup point guard what he is is he's a whirling dervish guy out on the perimeter he's a six four guy who will get you steals he'll do some crazy stuff but he can't even get big minutes for other teams either so i know we have this these these irrational affinities i actually liked Xavier dowdell better than anyone even his family probably back in the day um but that doesn't mean they're good players now, D'Anthony Melton is a good player, although he's also not really a backup point guard. He doesn't play even point guard for them. Um, they got Tyus Jones and John Morant playing all the point guard minutes. So if we're talking backup point guard, um, it's not either of any of those guys. Well, it's I mean, not anyone the, the Suns the, have either. You also, there's very few Corey Josephs in the league, right? Like there comes a point in which you just have to say the backup point guard is going to be a flawed player of some point otherwise he would be a starting point guard uh and how much flaw yeah but i would like kind of flaw to be something less flawed than i can't run a single offensive set yeah i i'd like you know he's he's extremely short or you know anything other than uh, can't actually do the job of a point guard that the sun's have. steve blake is the best backup point guard on the bench right, right. now Exactly. If we could get man, he looks good too, man. When he's <laughs> so when he's out guys. there doing warm ups with the players, I, I'd love to see him just suit up one night and just see if he could slip in with the Ty Jerome jersey on. <laughs> I mean, in, in all seriousness, you guys really haven't thought Ellie Kobo has played reasonably well lately, no? No, and not as a point guard. I mean, he's been all right. He got the start in Atlanta. But, you know. He had zero points and three assists in twenty one minutes, and Monty is constantly pulling him out for missed assignments. It's just, he's he's a major project still, and not one that I'd like to see them sink a lot of time into. There's a reason that he was the he was a guy that they didn't really want to keep, but they didn't want to eat the money either. So they're just kind of stuck with him right now. Uh, was it Manny C over on YouTube? He said Ty Jerome should be getting more time. I completely agree. He should absolutely be getting more time in the G League. Yeah, well, he really should be spending more time mm-hmm. in the G League. I, I'm not against that at all because um, there's a lot of uh, Suns first round picks doing well in the G League lately. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, look, okay. I, I I have no problem with Ty Jerome spending some time there. Uh, the the injuries early on and everything. Maybe I'm not ready to give up on him completely, but I don't no, want to no, see no. him. I don't want to see him working out the kinks at the NBA level. Right. Let him go down. Uh, I fully, to, to Northern Arizona. 
Yeah, I fully expect that year two Ty Jerome is going to look a lot different, a lot more like the first round pick we expected. I think he just needed some time to it needs some time to adjust to the NBA. But the the guy has skills. We saw it in preseason. Mm-hmm. We saw it. Well, we didn't see it in summer league, but we saw it in preseason. Uh, the guy's got some real skills. He's got some really good pick and roll ball handling. He is the backup point guard we need, but we need the third year Ty Jerome, not the first year Ty Jerome. Um, because he is the guy, he can run an offense. He can get the hesitation. He can, he can get defenders on his hip. He can get his shot. He can, he can do what you need him to do. He can't play much defense, but he'll get a couple of steals. And so he'll look better as a defender on the, on the advanced stats line for the stat nerds, uh, than, than he should. Um, but, and he may never be a starting player. I, I think of when I think of him and this could be wrong, but when I think of him, I think of a Luke Ridnour type. Which is, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. He's good. Like Luke Ridnour started for some bad teams in his career, and he was considered at one time a really good backup point guard for teams um, until he just, you know, he, he wrote out wasn't his career. Anymore. I think he made it eight or ten. What's that? Until he just wasn't anymore. Yeah. Well, but he also had like an eight or ten year career, and at some point even, you know, you're, you're, the little athleticism you have is gone. So... No, I think he's. I think Ty Jerome has a career ahead of him, just not this season. And I think the Suns. We'll talk about it in the next segment. But um, it but, was it was short sighted to expect him to be the back backup point guard. Too, I don't know. There's some know. rookies who are doing pretty well in the league, and especially running point guard these days. Yeah, yeah. Well, when they're taking number two overall, that makes it uh, a lot easier. When uh, when you're taking twenty first. Uh, I think you're expecting 24th. a lot out twenty fourth. Excuse me. You're expecting a lot uh, out true. of out of a guy. True. True. Um, so we haven't done the a call guy to action. Twenty first for... is doing pretty well too, but we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> we uh, we haven't done a call to action for this in a while. But if uh, you're listening on the podcast right now uh, and you want to leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it, especially if it's five stars. Uh, it really does go a long way. And Greg well, might even one day the read them on the show. Hey, yeah, yeah. If you if you're a host of another show and leaving two star reviews, you can go screw yourself. All right. Yeah. Even if you've got the namesake <laughs> of another uh, person on another show, um, then yeah, it's cool. It's cool. We love all the feedback we get, even if it's even if it's it's uh, a fun two star one. Two from star a, review from another host of another son's <laughs> podcast. Uh, way to be petty, though, guys. Um, so taking a look at not not you either. I'm talking about the people that are leaving those those reviews. Uh, anyway, uh, taking a look at where the Suns are right now out in the West. Um, a pretty good week. They've lost or they excuse me. They've won six of their last ten games. 18 and 24. They're sitting ninth. They are two games back of the eighth seed, the uh, which is held currently by the Memphis Grizzlies, who have won eight of their last 10 games, but seven games straight, which kind of blows my damn mind. Uh, coming up this week, they have two games versus the Spurs, who are currently in the, the 10th spot as of recording this episode, and one against the Grizzlies. A really big week for the Suns. It is. Uh, there's... Uh, Tankathon.com, I believe it is, said the Suns have the most difficult schedule the rest of the way at anybody. Which yeah, uh, but they also said the first half was gonna be one of the most difficult, and yeah. it turned out to be fairly easy. Yeah, that, that's what I want to know too. So, how can they have the most difficult first half and the most difficult second half? Because how, they were basing they were the first half on projections, or basing the second <laughs> half on what's actually happened so far in the season. Yeah, yeah, so. no, I think the second half projection <laughs> is probably more accurate. Right. Then then basing it on last year's records, because that's what a lot of those preseason predictions did for sure. Now, it is also true that that 90, 80, 80 percent of the league is the same year over year as far as roughly in the wins area. So it's it's not bad to use last year's records to do next year projections. I get it. Uh, but even I'm um, sorry, but even in the middle of the first half of the season, there, it's NBA.com. John Schumann does a strength of schedule thing, as, as well as does the uh, as well as basketballreference.com does a strength of schedule thing that's live. That's that's using current season information, and they go a little bit deeper by saying, you know, basically, especially John Schumann does based on uh, game rest game, you know, rest days before games and stuff like that, and. Um, and John Schumann was saying the Suns' wasn't, schedule wasn't the easiest in the first half. It was in the top 10 most difficult. It's just been easy the last month, and that's what's contributed to the Suns' 
uh, strength of schedule looking easier than it should have been. Uh, and, and also West teams not being as good this year, right? Portland yeah. has not been as good. San Antonio has not been as good. This has been kind of a weird first half. And if you look at that strength of schedule saying the Suns ended up with the easiest, um, it's only half a percent. Like there's only about a half a percent difference between the easiest and the hardest schedules because they all play each other. Yeah. So there's that. Now predicting the rest of the year, it is going to be more accurate because they're basing it on this year's results. The things that are variables obviously are that teams are not tanking yet that are going to tank. Some of these seven teams that are fighting for the eighth seed in the West are going to stop trying as hard. Um, injury comes up that you can't injuries really come up. You can't predict and stuff like that. But having said all that, yes, the Suns have, have always been projected to have a difficult, very difficult February. Um, but heck, you know, if you're going to beat the Celtics on the road, then maybe it's not as difficult as it sounded. Well, look, I, the, the bottom line is if this team wants to stay in this race, they're going to have to win games against good teams. I mean, it's right. it's that simple. If you want it doesn't to make matter. the playoffs, yeah. you have to be able to beat playoff teams. Yeah, it's like right. it does It does not matter what the strength of schedule says or not. You're going to have to go out there and you have to win some games that you're uh, technically not supposed to according to Vegas or the line. You're just going to have to go out there uh, and and beat better teams than you to get in the in this uh in this eighth spot. And that's what Memphis has done. They've gone out, they've won games that people didn't expect them to, and the Suns are going to have to do that. And this week is uh, is the start to that. You're going to have to take at least one from San Antonio to to keep them behind you and you're going to have to win that game against Memphis uh, to to start making some noise here. A perfect example is that just a week ago, when the Suns um, dropped into 13th or so in the West, because all those teams are separated by just a couple of games, we're like, oh, all right, it's over. Yeah. Right? And now all of a sudden the Suns are ninth in the West again after just having one good week. Uh-huh. And they are clearly, they are, um, you know, only two games off of Memphis, who's on a crazy hot streak that obviously Memphis is not going to win all their games for the rest of the... You mean they're not going to win 80% of their their games the rest of the way? (laughs) Right. So this is still a wide-open race, and it is, like you said, Greg, extremely important uh, to, to... at least step on at least one game from the Spurs, and if look, not both. You can't you can't keep losing games like uh, like the Hawks game. That's this you you have to beat the teams that you are legitimately better than. I understand you didn't have Ricky Rubio in that game, but well, you've got to rise above. They need to make a ways. trade for a backup point guard, which we'll get into. <laughs> yep. Um, and speaking of one thing that has really contributed, I think, to uh, some of these wins, but also has just, at least for me, been really nice to watch is DeAndre Ayton has been really damn good, both on the offensive end, but noticeably on the defensive end. And uh, for the first time, at least for myself, during his short career with the Suns, I can actually just enjoy watching him play because he's been that damn good. Uh, over the last three games, uh, he is the Suns are 17 points better when he is on the court for 100 possessions. He's averaged 24 points, 15 rebounds, going to the the line five times a game, which for Aiton, huge improvement. Um, hitting 93% of his free throws, two blocks with only a foul and a half. I mean, Aiton has been... Good. And I know, Dave, you put up a poll that I'm sure you want to touch on the results for that. But before we do, just Aiden has been good this week. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not the stats guy here, but I had to look up something because people are like, oh, all of a sudden he's showing he cares. It's, it's you know, yada, yada. Uh, you know, oh, his, his, he's just been different offensively. Part of this is Monty Williams has adjusted the offense, right? I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but in totality of this season, 67% of DeAndre Ayton shots have come nine feet or closer to the basket, right? Over the last two games when he's been uh, dominating when he, in New York and then in Boston, 78% of those shots have come within nine feet or closer to the rim. They are getting him the ball in the post. They're feeding him down there and taking advantage of his athleticism to be able to beat guys. And then in Boston, he got to the line 11 
11 times, which was a huge part of that, and because he's banging down low. They're not running uh, that horn set a lot where he's winding up stepping out and shooting long jumpers. They're getting the ball where he can dominate, and that's the bigger factor here to me. It's not that Monty Williams benched him and all of a sudden something clicked in DeAndre Ayton's head. It's that they're using him the way that he needs to be used. They're getting him the ball where he can just beat up on guys down low and it's been a thing of beauty and to your point Tim he's been fully engaged uh, on the defensive end with the exception of that Gordon Hayward missed assignment last night at the end of the game that could have been catastrophic but overall he is locked in there as well so it's been fun to watch but I think Monty Williams deserves credit for altering the offense somewhat and getting the ball close to the hoop. Yeah, and also the defense was originally designed to maximize Aiden's ability because you got to keep it simple. You got to give him an opportunity to succeed, and Aiden um, can't be stuck in no man's land on pick and rolls all the time. So he's got to have a mission. His mission is either to drop into the paint or it's a, or it's to fight hard, um, to set hard picks over the screen or at least uh, slow down the defender over the screen. Um, he has to choose one. He can't get stuck in the middle. So Monty's scheme has been drop all the time, and that's helped. Um, and he has been very good uh, at uh, defending the rim. So in the paint, and I think that's 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 admirable. He's been, he's sure. actually uh, I shoot I don't have the the stat in front of me, but um, he leads the league in uh, the difference of opponents shooting within six feet of the basket. So opponents are shooting 16% worse than their uh, career averages by the yeah, basket. When that's what I was just looking up. It, yep. It's better than, it's better than Gobert, Abaca, uh, shoot a couple of other, I mean, it's really, it's like better than everybody basically. Cause he leads the league in it, but he's, <laughs> he's been really good. He's also been good out on the perimeter when he does get switched out. Uh, I think he's been pretty good against guys that are a bit faster. Um, the missed defensive assignment that Greg was referring to, you know, was that Aiton or was that Booker? I, I think both those guys screwed up. There was another play at uh, the end of a, a Kings game not too long ago with Harrison Barnes. I don't remember who exactly was, was out there on the court for that. You want the team as a whole, not to blow those assignments. But I think just the fact that Aiton is now closing games defensively uh, speaks mm-hmm. a lot, especially when you have Baines out there um, on the court, who's a very good well, defensive and, player. And Aiton also on the offensive end. I mean, the he sucks so much toward the paint when he's when he's in there. As he's rolling to the paint, they have to tag him. They have to pay attention to where Aiton's going. And so that makes the uh, shooters even more open than they have been and they've been pretty open this year. And so the Suns are finally starting to make some threes. It's, it's just amazing how much better the Phoenix Suns look when they make some open threes. Well, and they've it's been am- one of the worst in the league on wide open threes, making them draining them. And suddenly now they look a lot better when they make a few. Well, Dave, and you're, you're totally right. There's a gravity to DeAndre Ayton. As he rolls to the basket, guys pull in, and it does just make that, that offense easier for everybody else on the court. And that's what you envision, and that's why getting the ball that much closer to the hoop has been so important because now teams are forced to collapse that way. Uh, they're, they're throwing more lobs to him. It's just this is the way they should have been using him all along. Uh, they didn't do Well, the, they've only had 12 games. I, I No, I get it. I'm, I'm referring referring to last year as well which wasn't Monty that was obviously Igor but there there's just there's something to the way that that they've been utilizing him lately that 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 is just putting him in a position to succeed which is exciting to watch because this is what we've all been waiting for is just to see him use those raw physical skills uh, to his advantage as as he still learns the other parts of his game that's not to say eventually he he shouldn't shoot uh, as well but he's taking advantage of uh, uh, of those physical gifts right now and that's what everybody's wanted to see so could touch, I take man. a few seconds to uh, do my weekly old man wines at Twitter? Please do. <laughs> That's what we're here for. So the Suns um, have back-to-back exciting wins. These are their, these are two of their better wins. The the just the margin over the Knicks. They hadn't had a, a twenty you know a twenty point win in a while, and then. On Saturday night, the big win over the Celtics is it wasn't quite as close as Marcus Smart made it to be as far as getting down to. I mean, it seemed like, oh, my God, how can you possibly get within a possession here? And Marcus Smart found a way to do it. So good on him. But 
these are two big wins, and DeAndre Ayton was huge in both of them. He had 26 and 21, and a huge factor in the win uh, against the Knicks, and then 26 and 15 against the Celtics, huge factor on both ends. And yet there are those on Twitter who were pointing out literally, and don't say nobody literally did this because they did, pointing out, man, if DeAndre Ayton hadn't lost Gordon Hayward on that on that lob, then uh, that you know, and if Gordon Hayward had made that easy layup, the Aiden would have been the goat. No, you don't call out one defensive play and call a guy a goat. You wouldn't say he'd be killed on Twitter. You wouldn't say people would not be remembering this as a good game off of one play like that. That was a scramble play off a off a timeout called by an excellent coach. And you're right, you don't know if that was supposed to be Booker. I mean, why would Aiden's assignment be to track Gordon Hayward around the perimeter. Obviously it's a switchy situation and he did, he might've made a mistake, but that is not like the game changing mistake mistake. Aiden did so many great things in that game to even get the Suns the big lead that, that they needed to hold on to with Gordon Hayward on that, on that lob play. And, and the only um, Dave, the only reason I said that was because Aiden after the game uh, took, took the credit and the blame on that in a quote. I don't know if it was his, uh, assignment or not. Well, that's but fine if that was there. his responsibility on there. I'm just saying, even if it was, so let's, even if it was his responsibility, that's one play off a really well-called timeout that had a lot of switching going on and picks going on. Um, I thought that was, it's it's petty to say that. You might as well, oh, yeah. you, what you really should do is blame Devin Booker for doing the clear path foul um, that even got the Celtics closer like this because they got five points off of that position too. So, I mean, the Marcus Smart orchestrated two different five-point swings, um, possessions, uh, for the Celtics in the final minute and a half, and, and give credit for that. Um, give Marcus Smart credit for that. Don't blame any Suns players if, they, if something hadn't gone as well. It's kind of nice seeing another, another team um, do something wrong in, in closing seconds. So, uh, this is old man yells at Twitter. Um, maybe we should just appreciate the dude for who he is and not try to go back and watch replays and find his mistakes. Well, this is the same platform. Uh, didn't you run a poll where they said they weren't yeah, going to be happy unless they he got 20 I literally on game? Friday. I ran a poll <laughs> on Twitter that got 1,100 votes. By the way, over over two uh, over 24 hours, and I said, "What do you think of DeAndre Ayton's 2020 game? 2020 game." And I said, should it be the norm or, or like the answers, the answers were, it should be the norm or great accomplishment. What percent would you have gotten great accomplishment? Uh, I'm going to guess with like this. Like 90 sun, plus. No, but I'm guessing with this group, it was probably 40%. It was 55% great accomplishment after I started sharing some stats on how rare 2020 games are. Um, in the NBA that people started realizing. And then they were fighting me over the intent of my poll. Um, I'm the one who made the poll, fuckers. Um, so <laughs> the intent of the poll was, do you think 2020 is good, is a great accomplishment, or should be the norm? Because people have too high of expectations for DeAndre and They see him do it once, they're going to need him to do it again and again and again and again. And when he doesn't, it looks like he doesn't care. I think you tweeted something like that as well, Greg. Um, people are going to blame him for not caring if he doesn't follow up 2020 with another one. So I wanted to see people's mindsets. And they were arguing with me all day long about the intent of my own poll. And then saying, well, and then there were a few people who go, no, he should be averaging 2020. No, nobody no, ever. It's yeah, been nobody 50 years it. since no one's averaged 2020. Why, why, yeah, it's the the number of games that somebody has twenty points, twenty plus points, and twenty plus rebounds it is minimal. There, it does minimal. not happen that often right. in the NBA. Now, twenty and fifteen, obviously, yes, you can do this. Uh, twenty and twelve, average over a course of a season. Twenty four and twelve, doing a Carl Anthony Towns kind of line. Obviously, yes, you could do this, and you'd still be one of the top five centers in the league doing that. But to expect even more, and then some some people were even tweeting back at me, well, based on what that guy in Dallas is doing, he should be getting 2020 or I'll never be happy with him. Well, okay. That's, that's a you problem. That is not that's a DeAndre you. Ayton problem. And the right. fact that he puts up 20 and 20 in, in that game against the Knicks, young, youngest ever to do it in any carnation of incarnation of Madison Square Garden, all four of them they've had. Youngest player to ever do that. The second youngest now, Hakeem Olajuwon, and then he was the youngest. In that, son- in that, 
in that, in that location in that, in that building that yes yeah. and then and then also the youngest son too right yeah exactly so like that was a that was a historic game for a guy of his age and then he follows it up with a game that arguably was just as good sure he didn't hit the 20 rebound point he had 15 uh, against Boston but it was it was just a good of just as good of a performance uh, in that game as well so this it, it, it's a no win situation for DeAndre Ayton we've talked about it because well, his name yeah. isn't yeah. Luca uh, nobody uh, not I'm not going to say I'm not going to paint with a wide brush but there is a certain faction of Suns fans and particularly on Twitter that are never going to be happy with what this guy does unless it's historic every night simply because of that Get over it, all right? The Suns didn't right. choose that guy. It's Ryan McDonough's fault, all right? We get it. It, it was a mistake. I think we all can admit that if you were going to go back and redraft again, mm-hmm. that nobody's going to take DeAndre Ayton 1 having, knowing what we know now. But that's A, not DeAndre Ayton's fault, and B, the reality is we can't get in a time machine and go back and fix that. So you've got to watch DeAndre Ayton, have high expectations, but have realistically high expectations, not just ridiculously high expectations uh, of this guy. What we've seen over the last two games gives you a glimpse into what this guy could become. And uh, you gotta have you have to find a way to be okay with it. Otherwise, you are going to flog yourself for the next decade about this stuff. <clears throat> exactly. So what I miss, yeah, guys? So I'm pretty happy. We'll just say that. What uh? What did I miss? I had to I had to get up for a moment. Did you? Oh, uh, uh, we <laughs> really? You missed the whole um, old and young man yell at Twitter. That's all. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, old and slightly less old man yell at Twitter <laughs> when you look at the age of some of these people on there. So, uh, um, You guys ready for the stat of the week? Stat yes. of the week. Stat, 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 stat. Hey, that's sort of like a, 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 a poor man's... Um, Basketball Jones, right there. Thank yeah. you, guys. Or we could we could do uh, the timeline does songs for all these. So Dave and I could start singing too. Stat it's of, of the stat week. Of the week. Stat of the week. There we go. <laughs> no, that's that's all right. Great job though, guys. I, I appreciate that. I'll try and uh, dub some background music and uh, when I'm doing the editing for this. And so Eunice. I do want to give credit where credit is due. Matt Peterson, actually, I got the stat from him. The Booker, Aiton, and Bridges trio has the third highest net rating in the league right now. That's with a minimum of 150 minutes played. Um, SGSA, SGA, Schroeder, and uh, Paul. Over on um, Oklahoma uh, City. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, 30 30 points a game. Uh, Kawhi, Harrell, and Beverly with the Clippers, uh, 29 points, which, by the way, I did not realize that Earl Watson was a member of that coaching staff. Um, And Earl Watson's a member of the Clippers coaching staff? Yeah. Who knew? What? I think you're wrong. Excuse me while I stare (laughs) at my phone for a moment. (laughs) I, I might be wrong. Uh, please correct me if I am, but I thought I saw him on the bench. So uh, Booker, Aiden, and Bridges, though, 28.7 points a game. Um, That's Booker, a plus Bridges, 28.7 net rating, yes. Yes. Um, has been really, really, really good. Um, which kind of yeah. leads me. I Well, Booker, curious. Aiden, period, have been very, very good together. I'm very happy. Last year, we hoped to see this kind of synergy between the two of them, using each other to draw defenders away from each other um obviously booker trying to feed aiden for um the you know for for the lobs and for the for the drives to the hoop and all that i think they're doing really well and it's going to continue to get better have you guys missed Ubre over these last few games because i have not Look, um, yes, we missed Oubre because I had to watch that freaking three-point guard lineup that nobody can score. Yes, we've absolutely missed Oubre. Oubre is great. I think you just you can't do, you can't have enough NBA players. And when you're out a couple of NBA players, to say you didn't miss them because the Suns won a couple, great. But we're no. gonna Kelly Oubre is necessary on this team, and I think it's right. it's, I sure we, we obviously have enjoyed the results. But they need Kelly Oubre back. Just take the sunglasses off, dude. Before I get before I get to Kelly Oubre, I think Tim is just racist because Earl Watson is not on the coaching staff of the Clippers. So who did who did did I say? They they have Tyron Lue on the bench, uh, Sam Cassell 
Uh, they do not. Uh, he might have had floor seats. He could have. He, he been lives in L.A. Oh, but, uh, it was. It was. I'm sorry. Who, you who? You, Sam. Sam Cassell? Cassell. Yeah, definitely. I thought. I thought they look like. No, no they, they don't. don't not oh my anything. god! <laughs> One looks like E.T. And You're the making other one... it. You're making it worse. Doesn't. The only thing they have in common is they both were tied to the Suns organization at one point for for a very brief period of time. Let's just we'll yeah. we'll move away from this Let's and act like away. it didn't happen. Move away, okay. uh, Dave. You're a jerk for saying Kelly Oubre should take off the sunglasses since the dude's in concussion protocol and light hurts heads of people that are in concussion uh, protocol. Uh, so that makes sense. You're being a dick. Uh, can I give a shout out to Kelly Oubre for a second um, for the, wearing the sunglasses? Took, yes. No, no. The dude took. <laughs> The elbow to the forehead in the second quarter, I think it was, of that Atlanta game. And he stayed in the whole freaking game. He's missed two games since with a concussion. And he went four for 16. He contributed to the Suns losing that game. Yes. But that dude never says he's tired, never says he's hurt, always plays, is always available, busts his ass. That he was seeing 10 Hawks against him instead of five is because of that elbow to the head. And I hope that guy gets... It's not going to get fined. That was just a that was just a mistake. But man, that sucks for Kelly that he got into a concussion, got a concussion from that. Should we be applauding uh, him for a that? Warrior, a warrior, staying in the game, absolutely. Should we be applauding him for that or be concerned that the Suns training staff didn't realize he had a concussion? Well, yeah, there's that. I mean, you should <laughs> you should be looking at a dude in the eye, and if his eyes are going two different directions, you got a problem. I mean, I get it. Uh, Kelly Oubre true. seems a little weird, but I'm is guessing it, you it, could still tell he has a concussion. So, <laughs> is concussion and help me out? Is concussion protocol? Uh, does that necessarily mean you have a concussion, or that you might have one? So well, that, you're showing symptoms, so right. uh, you miss it. You know, you you've got to go through. The, the way I saw it described was you've got to wait 24 hours and then do a test. Uh, and then if you're completely clear, you can be cleared after that. But otherwise, every 24 hours, you have another test. And so I'm guessing because the the next game was the next uh, was too close for him to have made it. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Made it into the next game. He's still showing signs or he would have played in the Celtics game. So he's got to be still showing some signs of effects on that. The uh the we've we've bemoaned Sun's Twitter here, but there was a great moment uh, when people found out he had a concussion, and somebody tweeted, "Lindsey Smith, did you do this to him? Because she's the one that inadvertently <laughs> hit him in the head with a microphone a week a week or so back uh, in the post game interview." So I, I think Twitter does every once in a while at Delayed least make reaction. us laugh. So, <laughs> uh, I but anyway, I think. Do I miss Kelly Oubre? Yes, I miss his energy. Uh, he is a spark plug that that brings something uh, on the court that most guys don't have. But that does not mean I think he necessarily should be a starter again when he comes back. I think he's perfect for what this bench is missing. You need that energy. You need that scoring. And Mikael Bridges is bringing something to the starting lineup that, uh, in terms of the defense that you haven't seen. And then offensively, in that Celtics game, all of a sudden, magically, that hitch is uh, out of his shot uh, for the most part, and he's connecting on threes they again. So. Yeah, so, you yeah. just got to give Mikel contested threes, and he'll, he'll make them because he doesn't have time to throw that hitch in there. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, guys, we're we're doing reasons he bias here. Kelly Oubre is, is deserves a starting spot on this team. Plus, if you want to play him with the second units, you can play him with the second units. That's totally fine. After they that, do after the first five. I know yeah. after the first five minute stretch. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of who starts and who finishes. And the best overall Suns lineup for finishing games has Oubre and Bridges and Booker out there mm-hmm. with Rubio and Aiden. So nice. yeah, I miss him. I mean, my favorite. I saw it on uh, Sun's Facebook where someone said that Kelly Oubre should uh, become the sixth man so he could just eat up on opposing uh, benches. And I just thought, do you watch the Suns game? Do you not realize that's exactly what they have? Them do? They have them start as well, but like that's what they bring them back in. Right. Close Plus, out, like, he's the first not quarter. really great being the only dude who can score out there because then he puts his head down and tries to drive into three defenders. Right. So I'd rather him have him be opportunistic and cutting and slashing and taking open threes from other def- other offensive players that are out there. Don't lie, though. The ball does move a little bit better when when Kelly's not out there with the, with the starters, but that's not... Uh, I get what you're saying, and I'm just bringing this up because according to local radio and certain people on the internet, 
benching DeAndre Ayton turned him into a monster on the court, like a beast. So maybe that could do it for Kelly Oubre. Maybe he could average 30 uh, if, if Monty uh, benched him and then brought him back. Is but, it possible that DeAndre Ayton just needed a few games to get his sea legs under him for exactly. the NBA? But, uh, Is it quite possible? In, in the chat, uh, I do not. Hate I'm Kelly rolling Oubre. my eyes to the ceiling right now. <laughs> I do not hate Kelly Oubre. I actually am really enjoying his game. He's taken a, a step forward uh, this season. There are still times where he, he there's lapses. There, there's times where he, he pounds the ball on the ground. But the guy is a human exclamation mark, right? He he brings this energy, like I was saying, that nobody else does out there. Some of his dunks just are enough to swing the momentum in a game. And he's been very uh, impressive at late game three-pointers as well. Uh, I like what Bridges does on the defensive end. I To what Dave said, yes, lineups with with both of them in there make more sense to me, especially with this gaping wound that is your power forward uh, position right now. So, hey, throw some love to Dario at a double-double last night. Da- Nobody even noticed. Well, Dario did have a lot of big uh, big moments that, that were under the radar last night and or Everything Saturday night in Boston. Radar, so sure. you're, you're, you're true. So you're, you're right know, uh, in true. that, but, uh, but Straight and true. there is no, there is no backup power forward, especially with, with Frank on the shelf. So, uh, yeah, I love it. Michael Rhodes in the oh. chat says Espo was on the concussion protocol. So <laughs> perpetually. Hey, I just saw somebody, uh, some nonsense fan just tweeting out. I think it's a nonsense fan was just tweeting out a, Hey, just throwing this out there. And it's a basketball reference, uh, comp of Frank Kaminsky to Kyle Kuzma <laughs> and Frank Kaminsky's numbers are better across the board. <laughs> yeah. But Stephen A wants then, us to trade uh, trade uh, Devin Booker for Kyle Kuzma. No, no, no. So. Here's, here's the thing. I actually, and I tweeted this out, I did not think that was a ridiculous statement. He said that the Lakers should trade Kyle Kuzma for Devin Booker. Yes. Yes. If you're Lakers, the Lakers yeah, should. They should, yeah. A hundred times out of a hundred. I don't even see the debate in this. <laughs> that, that was going to be my donkey award this week, well, uh, Stephen A. Said, but it, you know, Kyle Kuzma and some other players, and maybe a pick. May, maybe a pick. Because what you want is the Lakers first round pick, which is basically going to be a glorified second round pick is, is what you want pick. for a superstar. Sure. Yes. The Lakers every time should make that trade. Right. The Suns. Oh, Hey, uh, one, one final note on that game. I think that right there is going to make coaches put Devin Booker in the all-star game, by the way, they, be a big win over Boston in Boston, 39 points. We haven't even talked about Booker yet. He was once again one thing, sh- one one item shy of a triple double. He had ten rebounds and nine assists to go with his thirty nine points on only twenty shots. Well, Dave, that, that dude is in what? I was just going to say that the, there's a reason why we haven't talked about Devin Booker, uh, his performance in that Boston game, and that is because the national media, rightfully so, cannot talk about anything except for the fact that Marcus Smart hit eleven threes in the loss. Yeah, be, because yeah, they hate it's the crazy. Suns. Uh, okay, not and hate, they'd rather but... show and they'd rather show over and over again a fallaway three pointer with an eight point lead with a with less than a minute left in a game, but it looked pretty. So uh, they'll show that from a guy from another team over Devin Booker hitting threes to win games. Yeah, it's, it's Devin Booker has done everything you could ask, and he he now has a, that almost triple double that everybody loves to call it. it it's either a triple double or it's not. But he's had a yeah. few actually. He's had like yeah. four or five. He's come up one short. Poor guy. I just I wish it would work go for him because that's one of those things you just uh, notch on your belt kind of thing. But he had he had moves in that game. He has other were... notches on his belt, just not that one. <laughs> you uh, you watch some of the moves in that game though, and he's he's taking two Celtics on, doing spin moves, hitting fadeaway jumpers uh, off those moves. That they're things that. Just regular, even regular stars aren't doing. He, he, somebody said, you know, uh, what's the difference between Devin Booker and Kobe Bryant right now? And I said, it's simply he doesn't, he hasn't thrown any teammates under the bus or had legal charges against him. I mean, that when you look at it, he's doing uh, the the kind of moves that you saw Kobe do. Yeah, uh, in, yeah, in mid range, and he and does people people don't talk about it enough. Himself after Kobe, yeah, and uh-huh. and, it, and and he's just he's taking he's over. Unfortunately, he's modeling things. his three point shooting after Kobe too. But you know what? 
he's he's still efficiently scoring without relying uh, on that three point shot and and they've it's proven to work as of uh, as of late they're 7 and 4 uh, in their last 11 games which obviously matches that hot start that they had if you forget all the crappy play in the middle this team looks amazing <laughs> but uh but I'll take Devin Booker scoring 39 and not relying on the three pointer and making the kind of moves uh, that he did against that Celtics team any night it's entertaining and you're seeing this guy just dominate uh, other players dominate double teams. You know, just imagine what could have been if he played with Team USA, or he didn't complain about double teams in in those pickup games over the summer. You know, I mean, he could be so much more <laughs> if he <laughs> if they just wouldn't have doubled him in those pickup games. Yeah, he might have a yeah, dude. I got better season. I, I I totally got uh. Tra- like full court press trapped in a, 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 a pickup game uh, a couple weeks ago. And I was bitching about it. Um, and I felt like Devin Booker, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Except uh, minus the skills and you're like 20 years older than him, but that's, right. yeah, yeah, no, no. But, but it, it, when you're in that environment, you're like, come the hell on guys. Hey, like this, this isn't the environment for it. You know, it, it's a pickup game. You don't need to be double teaming people uh, for the most part, trapping people in pickup games, yeah. right? So obviously the stakes are a lot lower. I'm not nearly as talented. Nobody I'm playing with is as talented. And it's just a game as opposed to uh, Devin Booker actually needs to prepare for these things when it actually is uh, games that mean something, right? So let, let, me totally the, let me play the Joe Kim Noah role. Grow us at Tim, all right? Yeah, no, no, that means. So I'm, let me just go yeah. back really quick to Kelly Oubre for a second. Sure. The dude is you second on the, the dude is second on the team in scoring, second in assists or second in rebounds, uh, leads the team in steals, second in blocks, leads the team in three pointers made this year. Uh, yeah, we miss him. Okay. Uh, final segment. Actually, no. Second to final segment. All right. We're going to call this one. Uh, Suns trade rumors. And should Devin Booker go to management for more talent around him? About 15 minutes less left on the show. Uh, let me ask the first question. Is it time to deal Baines for assets? A longer t- If they can get back a longer term backup center. I know we've talked about it before. Um, your guys' thoughts on potentially trading Baines for assets or a longer term backup center. Right now, no. what are you going to get for him, too? I mean, the way he's been playing lately, it's he's not setting the world on fire by any stretch of the imagination. So I would rather just hold on to him and see if you can recapture what it, some of what he was doing earlier in the year because that's going to... Uh, that's going to benefit the Suns da- down the stretch. And I get it. He's an expiring, but I, I don't think you're going to get much right now for him. So why uh, why deal him? There's more. There's a better chance that he refines himself in this offense and, and helps you make a playoff run than there is that you're going to get a piece that's going to help you long-term at center from it. Well, and really, if you like the progress that Booker and Aiton are making this year, and if you want them to be your core of a playoff team in future years, you need guys like Ricky Rubio and Aaron Baines on this team this year. You can't just be punting out a guy who really is getting properly in the ear of Aiton and telling him where to be, and, and Ricky actually showing Aiton the, the spin move to clear yourself out of a guy who's trying to box you out, and then suddenly Aiton applied it in the next series and uh, the next uh, time down and, and got a rebound that he needed. Uh, this, these guys are great for Booker and Aiton. You can't be trading them away or any of them away just because you can get a future second round pick for them or maybe a longer term backup center who also needs to learn how to play the game still and is not your vocal leader. They've got to have those guys, um, Aiton and I'm uh, sorry, uh, Aiton and Booker need guys like Baines and and Rubio on this team. So, no, you don't trade Aaron Baines no matter how bad how tough it is to watch him right now because he's not making any of his threes. He's he's he looks he looks a step short um, every single time down the court. I think he's going through a real slump because he played so much for the, the national team and then so many extra minutes for the Suns. I get it. But his voice, his rec, his help, his mentorship of Aiden is you've got to have that and you can't be trading it away. Uh, so definitely you got to keep Baines, even if they could get value for him. I know well, what you're saying. It depends yes, on I what agree. the value is. I mean, if if we're talking uh, a younger 
veteran player that can come in and fill a similar role, sure. But what team's gonna gonna trade uh, a valuable piece like that for Aaron Baines, who could bolt after uh, after this season? I just I don't see a world where you're trading him for something that much better that, than what you potentially have and and the impact he can have with this group. So I I don't see that. If you're gonna if you're gonna try to make a move, that's not where I see uh, you likely making it. So. It's funny, uh, you guys. No matter well, how many you, times Tim? I brought it, well, no matter how many times, I, it doesn't matter. My opinion, uh, yes, it does. I it up does. On the show, it's, it it's matters just as much no, as ours. Nah, I mean, uh, not quite that much, but it still matters, <laughs> right? I'm like, I'm like two thirds of the the the, the worth what uh, your guys' votes are, right? Um, okay, sure. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, Charles uh, Scholar here in the YouTube chat, he's he's bringing something up that uh, I brought up before. Other people have brought up before. Uh, I would trade uh, Aaron Baines for uh, Zubok, potentially, in four years of Zubok. Sure, I would, yeah. too, potentially, but I don't see the Clippers doing that. I think they, they value Zubok and, and what they have in him. So why? I just... Sure, if I could create any trade I wanted that that brought something back for Aaron Baines and the other team had to do it sure I, I but I just don't see another team uh, giving up something of value that that you have under control for for a longer period of time for Aaron Baines and I think there's a better chance that that Baines is going to have an impact for this team than than whoever you get in uh, in return it's funny. So I'm when a, I brought it up the first time, it was that. essentially Aaron Baines is playing too well. We don't want to trade him. And now that he's not playing as well, it's, he's not playing well enough to get anything back. So at a certain point, you know, no, that's whatever. not my feedback. My feedback is he's too good on the team still, even though he's playing like shit. He's too valuable on the team. I agree, I mean, Dave. I, like I agree with that. I, like I think I think he's part of the heart and soul of this. Uh, of this team and whether he's he's actually having an impact in the box score uh is irrelevant to me because he's having an impact on deandre ayton and the communication of this team defensively and that's huge um what have you guys heard in terms of uh potential trade rumors coming up obviously there's the ones we've already talked about the uh kevin love i i saw some story about d'angelo russell and the suns being in talks um but it Where was where do you see that story some random, was, uh, yeah, I saw i'm it. not i'm not i'm not sourcing this because i i saw the source and i thought yeah okay yeah right, right. exactly <laughs> how would that um, even look, work I, I don't even yeah anyways uh there's probably a way, right? I, I don't have trade machine in front of me. Obviously, you would send back Tyler Johnson. You probably have to do Frank Kaminsky as well. I still think they need another five million ish. They have to throw right. in, right? Tyler and Kelly for D'Angelo Russell. But, oh, come on, guys! <laughs> I'm just kidding. They have to give up. They have to give up a lot for him. Uh, for sure. But obviously, that rumor's out there. But you guys being closer to the team than I am out here in Florida, uh, what have you heard? Well, being physically closer can be helpful, but usually um, I did talk to James Jones a couple, oh, a little over a week ago, and he said that uh, the phone doesn't start ringing until right at the deadline. Sometimes you'll get a few early calls, like if you've got a definite, like, hey, I want to do this for that, and it can happen. Last year they, they did the uh, Tyler Johnson trade in the middle of January. Um, so it can happen. And then this year, just um, a couple of days ago, there was a small trade. Um, there's been a couple of small trades. But really, all the real chatter comes up in the final two weeks uh, before the trade deadline. The trade deadline is February 6th. So around the 25th, uh, 30th of January is when suddenly phones are going to start going. And as James says, uh, everybody works on deadlines, and that's just the way it is. So if there is a trade, it's going to be one of those one-offs of people who know each other and they want to do a, you know, tit for tat kind of thing. Um, that is for marginal players. The sun should be definitely looking at that should definitely be looking at backup guards that can be more effective than Tyler Johnson. And, and the ones we've talked about, I heard Schroeder. Um, yeah, that's Schroeder. A- yeah. But I don't know if Minnesota, see Oklahoma city is in a tough spot. Um, Oklahoma city was supposed to set themselves up for the future this year, but suddenly their present looks pretty darn good with, a 24 and 19 record in the, and the uh, seventh spot in the West. I mean, so they're in a, they may not actually end up divesting 
during the season. Schroeder is excellent for them. And if they trade him, they're definitely giving up a playoff opportunity, I think. So um, I, I don't I don't know that he would be available. But if he is, he'd be great for the Suns, for I, sure. I think Gallinari is a guy that they likely don't give up because of that. But I think Schroeder, since they have Chris Paul, they have uh, Shea Gilders-Alexander, if they can get a piece, uh, you know, that they but, feel bolsters another But Tim just area. showed that they have the best net rating in the NBA as as a as a trio. Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, SGA is a plus thirty point eight this year. Right. Maybe that's why Monty Williams tried that four guard lineup. <laughs> oh god! With with not untalented four guards. <laughs> if you can get if you can get Schroeder, absolutely you go for it. That's the kind of guy you'd want. Someone who. Um, who is will who can score and pass off the bench for sure? Absolutely, he'd be perfect. But that's why OKC likes him. I am I'm in a weird uh, mental state when it comes to this trade deadline. Uh, well, yeah, I could have, well, but everybody knows that. I don't have to. Uh, I don't have to state <laughs> that out loud in general. But when looking at this deadline, there's part of me that's like, find a way to go all in. Find a way to just just pot commit. You know, just push it all in. And the other part of me is like. Just tinker a little. Find a backup point guard, maybe. Just just add a little something and see if you can sneak in. I, and I don't know where where I land overall. I keep going back and forth between between those two mindsets, and I guess it depends, it depends on what that big Suns game won is. Or lost the most recent game. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. really the case. After the Atlanta game, it's like, oh, start selling stuff, you know? Like, if right. you go into the, if it doesn't bring you joy, sell it mentality uh, if you're James Jones. But, uh, <laughs> but, but then after the last two games, you go, well, you know, you add a couple pieces. Maybe, maybe just add a couple yeah. pieces and they can make uh, the play. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like a bad relationship where you're like, well, uh-huh. maybe I can make this work, you know? I, right. sure, she, she, she wants to yell at me and threaten to stab me with an ice pick. But the last two dates have been pretty hot, so maybe we can make this. Hey, and maybe we know, can make this a work. Lot, a lot like my ex, you know. Hey, <laughs> I mean, uh, so so you sit she there might, and you're trying to convince yourself. Sleep, but the you one know. the one who still does our little our little uh, in, uh, little segments in our, in Every, our pod. If, if, I, if I decide to put it on, yeah, that one. Um, yeah. What about uh, you know? We've talked about power forwards a bit. Obviously, we have some people right now in the YouTube chat. I know your opinion on this, but uh, Julius Randall with a uh, with the no. what, what about Jeremy oh, Grant from Denver? Oh, love but it. They, they aren't. Yeah. Oh, trying. hey. But he hasn't fit you know, real well I don't well think there. Denver's going to make any trades either because they're not big on making trades. They're the they're one of the few teams who came back with exactly the same people they had last year. Uh, but um, and I, think I do value, like a. Go ahead. I think they value him. I think they value. Uh, Grant. Yeah, yeah. They value Good. Jeremy Grant. They also value Malik Beasley, even though those guys aren't getting much playing time. And they want to find time for Michael Porter Jr., who um, who needs to get more time because he's pretty talented as well. So it's possible. But then why would they do a favor for any other team in the league during the season? I don't think Denver's going to trade away um, one of their one. They have a really deep, talented team and uh, other benefit if Denver wants to give away a Malik Beasley or a Jeremy Grant. But I just don't see him doing it. I don't think. Why you, would you, I don't why think you get him cheap. I think you would. You'd wind up having to slightly overpay uh, with with that. But uh, it, it may be worth it. It it just depends. Again, I I can't I, I can't decide. It's you remember, and this may be too old of a reference for a lot of people, but the Two Face episode in Seinfeld, where depending on the lighting, his girlfriend yeah. looked really hot or really ugly. That's yeah. where we are with the Suns. Depending on the lighting, I could go either way here, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> we need to darken the lights then. It's easier that way. Uh, maybe Orlando will say, you know what? We don't want Aaron Gordon anymore. Oh, stop. Tim, you hate Aaron Gordon. Hey, but- <laughs> I don't. I want him as a player. I just, like, I'm tired of talking about the fact that they might trade basically their all-star Should they get player. Aaron Gordon? What do you think, Tim? <laughs> you know, they what the Sun should do is the Sun should uh, uh, trade um, Tyler Johnson for Aaron Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. a thought. Okay, no Stephen A. Yes, yes, <laughs> the Sun should. <laughs> It, are, would would Suns fans uh, be as fascinated with Aaron Gordon if they hadn't had a front row seat to watch him uh, 
uh, to watch him play in college. Like and, and so, so they watched him it's in college at U of A, and then and then they saw him in a dunk contest. I mean, that's basically you what know most who'd people be have really seen. Really good him. as a backup point guard would be T.J. McConnell. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another U of A grad. Right. Any, anybody that played. Really I'm uncomfortable you know, with any T.J.'s. So how about uh, the Suns go get Lou Williams? Huh? Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. yeah, we could throw Tyler Johnson back to them for that. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, one of the other Suns podcasts, Landon in the chat said, one of the other Suns podcasts suggested going to get uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Kings. Uh, yeah, if the you Kings do want to make a stupid there is move. A chance sure. that the, no, there is a chance that the Kings are okay. They could lose him. They have a the Kings have a max that they're allowed to pay Bogdan. Um, I'm pretty sure that that still applies even after he becomes a free agent this summer. And so they could be outbid for him. Now, whether you want to pay, why do they have a max? Can you explain uh, that? There's something about that. I don't know. I got to look it up again. I didn't do the research. Is it the contract the Suns originally signed him to? It's possible that, you know what, it's possible that restriction, um, gets lifted if he becomes unrestricted this summer because he will. Uh, but during the extension, oh yeah, the extension was not allowed to be that big. Like you could only be 11, 12, 13 million a year, something like that. And Bogdan turned it down. Because gotcha. he thinks he can get more in free agency, which he absolutely will be able to. It's possible Sacramento at that time can pay him the regular rate, like the going rate, but they have competition. Um, still, though, the, uh, he was probably going to make more than Kelly Oubre and, in, in free agency. So if you acquire him this spring, then you're giving up assets plus paying him a big contract in the summer. The Kings would probably be willing to look at trading him, but... The thing is, he also wants to start. And one of the reasons he was unhappy at the beginning of the year with the Kings, even when they thought they were going to be in playoff contention, is he didn't necessarily want to come off the bench the rest of his career. Uh, And with the Suns, you know, are you going to start him with Devin Booker? He's not a point guard. He is Devin Booker's backup. He is a wing backup. So I don't know that he would want to stay in Phoenix either long term if he wants a starting job. So it all it's. It is possible that Bogdan Bogdanovich would be available, but you're probably going to end up overpaying for two months and a prayer. My my prediction is the Suns are going to overpay for somebody. I don't know who, but I think I think we're going to be sitting here at the deadline and go. Suns acquired the Bogdan Bogdanovich. I would I would be extremely excited. I just um, especially if they could get him for Marquise Chris. Are we ready for <laughs> the Dunky Award? Oh, I am. I, like I said, I thought about giving this to Stephen A. this week because uh, I don't know what the hell that train wreck was when he was making that trade suggestion, but uh, good on you, Stephen A., but uh, enough people uh, pan- or, you know, nailed him for that one. So I'm going to go I, with He uh, wasn't wrong, though. It was an asinine <laughs> take, all right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so at Dynasty The Rock, uh, who, in all fairness, has been a fairly nice guy on Twitter, but this is a, a pretty rough take. He tweets, I believe the mentality of Suns Twitter contributes to poor player development. This is why we suck at developing young players. What has Aiton done to deserve a starting spot? There's so much wrong with this tweet. <laughs> I don't see how the mentality of Suns Twitter has any impact on uh, player development. It's usually uh, crappy player development coaches and a system that wasn't set up to bring in a wealth of uh, young young players that were ill-prepared for uh, life in the NBA and not giving them a support system. It has nothing to do with uh, young and middle-aged basketball nerds uh, tweeting their upset, uh, you know, takes about Dragon Bender or Marquise Chris or DeAndre Ayton that, that impacts player development in any way. Uh, there, there's just no if, way if, that has any yeah. impact on it. If Twitter had an impact on player development, then there would have to be some positive examples too. And frankly, Kyle Kuzma would be better than a 34% three-point shooter at this point. Alex because Twitter Car- loves Kyle Kuzma. Alex Caruso would be a god if uh, if. NBA Twitter right. had an impact on player So there is some truth in these guys are um, 20-somethings, and they are going to spend 24-7 on their phones. Absolutely. These guys do see the negative takes. They do see. But the thing is, as a player, A, your your teammates are telling you this, and B, you got to have a little bit thicker skin than, than to wallow in those kind of takes. What you end up doing is just having a negative perception of media, 
because you're going to blame media for getting that stuff out there uh, and 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 poisoning the well, for uh, for example. So all that ends up happening with with negative social media attention is that players don't want to talk to anybody who comes from there. Uh, <laughs> so that's about it. But I don't think it really impacts their actual development opportunities in the NBA. There's one guy. Maybe Dragon Bender was impacted by it because he was tissue paper soft. But the love I was trying to provide to him and, and Rhett Reese <laughs> as well Obviously on social. He didn't follow yeah. you. We we were trying to we were trying to lift him up. So, but uh, well, congratulations. Hopefully, hopefully, Frank Kaminsky does. Well, uh, well, Kaminsky Cove is still. I'm keeping the. Uh, uh, I think the Frank's, tiki torch uh, is burning. Mentally strong enough to be able to not worry about what what Twitter says about and, him. I mean, any guy that he, wears he was a denim to outfit. Back to Arizona after that final four where he kicked Arizona's ass. Well, and anybody that wears a denim outfit with a cowboy hat to a uh, fashion show run by NBA players. Anyone who has some cojones. on threes and then makes one three and he's fanning himself. I mean, the dude's good. Uh, so, he's so got at, the confidence. At Dynasty The Rock, congratulations. Enjoy your Donkey Award. It comes with absolutely nothing. And the perks of, well, at least me uh, verbally embarrassing you on the show. So, enjoy. <laughs> And on that note, so we will be back again next Saturday. Maybe we'll do a midweek at some point in our lives. We don't really know yet. But uh, from all of us here at the Sun Solar Panel, Dave King, Greg Esposito, myself, Tim Tompkins, appreciate you guys waking up so early with us. And uh, make sure to leave that five-star review if you are listening on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Talk to you next time. Later. Hey, guys. It's Espo back to remind you that there are many ways that you can support this show. Uh, you can start by following us on Twitter, you know, following us at Sun Solar Panel. Leave a five-star review. That's right, five-star review. You probably remember when I used to do that. We might even read it on the show. You can click the link in the bio and leave us a voicemail and, and support the show that way. Or you can go to sunshirts.com, buy a shirt. Or, you know what, there is another way. There's, I told you, there's so many ways to support this show and keep Dave with getting his Geritol, get Tim to get his glasses, keep me feeding my daughter, however you want to look at it. You can help uh, help the show out. You can donate uh, as well. If you click the link in the show notes, you can donate one, five, ten dollars uh, to the show, and it is greatly appreciated as it helps us keep doing this. This is a passion project for Dave, Tim, and I. We all uh, do other things, but we love connecting with you, the Suns fans, twice a week. So support us, sunshirts.com. You can donate, follow us, leave a five-star review, however you want to do it. We appreciate you. And you know what? If you donate 10 bucks, Tim's going to send you some sun sh- uh, solar panel swag. I don't know where he's getting it. It's probably some shady place that that he knows about out there in Florida, but it's cool stuff. So uh, donate. Thanks again, uh, Greg here and Tim and Dave also appreciate you. It's Sun Solar Panel. You can support us, sunshirts.com, or leave a donation.